Welcome to the Smallholder Food Business Development Institute, podcast episode number 101. And today we are talking about the high achiever goal cycle and what it means to stop doing all of the things all at once and being in such a hustle. You guys are really, really going to like this. So get out a pen and paper, prepare to think deeply and take some notes. Welcome to the Smallholder Food Development Institute podcast, where we serve up truth so that you can build the profitable, sustainable food business you've always dreamed of. Now here's your host, Dr. Michelle Fannin-Steele. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 101 of the podcast. I am super excited to be doing this episode. It feels like kind of a whole new start, uh, you know, a whole new um, um, clean slate, if you will. We did 100 episodes and we had lots of super interesting stuff. I know exactly what I'm doing um, for this next 100 episodes. And uh, I'm really excited to be starting with this concept because I think that this is going to set the stage for so much of the food safety work that we are going to be doing over the next hundred broadcasts. So here is the deal, is that over in the Proofy Wax, I did a poll about what you guys wanted to hear on the podcast. And the answers were pretty clear that you wanna hear about food safety planning and like actual HACCP stuff and business planning. Now, I will tell you that I believe in the whole entrepreneur, okay? And The idea of the whole entrepreneur because we bring our whole selves to work. But here's the other thing I believe. How we do one thing is how we do everything. And so I know I can talk to all y'all about who you are and how you're being as people through your food safety planning and your business planning. Somebody has to do it, right? So we are going to be like truly coaching the whole entrepreneur over the next 100 episodes through food safety planning and business planning. And so what I wanna do with episode number 101 is I wanna talk about a concept that I came up with to solve problems in my own life. Okay, so the, I have a lot, I talk to a lot of people about being a product of your product and you are your best client. Okay, if you don't like the food that you make, it's gonna be very hard to keep up the passion for that for a very long time, right? And so as somebody who is an entrepreneur in the food and egg space um, and who works with all these entrepreneurs, be they consultants and other coaches or you know food processing folks, it's really clear that how you do one thing is how you do everything. And what I wanna talk about today is how we try and do everything all at the same time. And I'm as guilty of this as everybody else. But I have really gotten a handle on it, okay? And I have a coach who's like, uh, hello, time out. Um, let's take a, take a step back, okay? So what I invite you to do is to get into a space right now around observing yourself, okay? You know how we talk about, and I have podcasts about doing direct observations. One of the most important people you can observe is your own damn self and your own mind, okay? and. That ability is life-changing because if you observe yourself and you figure out what you do or don't want to be doing, 
you can change everything about your life uh, from what you eat to how much you drink um, to how you run your business, how you have your relationships, um, how you parent your kids. All of those things come from observing your own self. Okay, so um, we're going to be talking a lot about that because over the next hundred episodes, because I will tell you, you miss a lot more by not looking than by not knowing. Um, okay. I can tell you all the things you want to know about cross-contamination and salmonella, um, but unless you go out onto your floor and look for that cross-contamination, all the knowing doesn't help you, okay? So with that, I want to invite you into observing yourself and how you are in the world and whether or not you're getting what you want out of the world and what that actually looks like, okay? Because I have, you know, I have one of the coach friends of mine says, you are always winning the game that you are playing. And if you have things going on in your life, it's because on some level, they work for you. Okay. And I'm not talking, I mean, coronavirus doesn't work for everybody. I totally get this. Don't generalize this into like really terrible things happening. Okay. Because if you're listening to this podcast, Murder is not actually happening to you right now, okay? Yes, I know what happens in the world, right? But so don't overgeneralize all of this sort of stuff. That's a rabbit hole people love to go down. But observing yourself and what you've created in the world versus what you want in the world is one of the most powerful things that you can do. But what ends up happening is, is that you, in, like most people in an effort to get what they want when they recognize they aren't getting it they try and do more and that's what I want to talk to you about today is this this um idea that we're just going to do more and more and more and more because I understand it work is a part of life I started working as a babysitter when I was 11 and I had a paycheck every two weeks almost continue like practically continuously from the eight from age 16 to 32 when i got out of the army after my second kid and my dad was dying and i had to take care of an infant and a dying parent and like many people i learned to define myself by my work i learned to feel good when i did stuff for a paycheck I learned to talk about the grind and how hard I was working. And I learned the entire culture that comes with work. And what I really call that is, is I call it overworking. And I never really learned to celebrate my achievements. Okay, and I'm not gonna lie, this is something that I struggle with today. Because I achieve a goal. Okay, great. Let's on. We're on to the next one. I was supposed to achieve it. Nothing new here. I achieved the goals I set out to do. Like, by and large, if I said I wanted to do something, I go out and I do it. This idea of always doing the next thing, always doing multiple things at a time, is the idea of overworking. And for many, many, many people, overworking is very, very easy. We are taught to overwork from a young age. When we overwork, we gain approval from our teachers, from our parents, and, and gaining that approval comes very naturally to the people who grew up 
to be very good at school, very good executives, and very good managers. And for most of the people that I work with, that is you. <laughs> this is not necessarily a terrible thing. Nothing's going wrong. Uh, you know, like we learned to overwork because it was something that made us feel good. It got us approval. And it's gotten you as far as it's gotten you because of the work that you put in. And that's actually amazing and I truly commend you for it. And all of this hard work and all of this hustle came to you through what I call the high achiever goal cycle. And so I want you to, wherever you are, like just imagine yourself in a variety of different situations and just whichever one that sticks. Your kid lying in bed trying to sleep. Your teenager sitting down in the library to study. Your young adults coming home from work. Or you're a parent, again, lying down, trying to go to sleep. Um, and there are some really common things a lot of us are thinking. I've got to ace the test. Uh, I've got to ace that project. I've got to get that job. I want to graduate with Latin honors. Jesus, I have to write that book. I have to lose a hundred pounds. Uh, I have to make a million dollars. I have to start my business. I have to scale my business. I have to go into business. I have to get the kids into the Ivies, into the Little Ivies, into the Seven Sisters, or one of the military academies. I have to make sure that my kid is a scholar athlete, that all of my neighbors know. The high achievers that I work with, and I myself, have thought all of these thoughts or, you know, theme and variations therein pretty much since childhood. These thoughts, by and large, were handed to you by parents or friends or siblings, all well-meaning. They're handed to us by advertisements and the social conversation. But they all come with this really subtle message of do better and be better. Improve yourself, improve your lot in life. Jesus, by all means, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. That's a pretty popular one. And if you aren't doing that, you're really doing it wrong. A lot of us learned that if you weren't constantly striving to do better and you weren't getting better, there was shame and dishonor in that. Okay, I, I mean, like, guys, I was an army officer. You were either trying to get the next rank or they're looking at you like, why are you here? Okay. What we learn is that if you aren't doing all of that, you're doing it wrong. Um, that your brain then learned that the way to get ahead is through constantly setting goals and usually humiliating yourself into or beating yourself up into achieving them, not through loving yourself into achieving them. I've had this conversation with hundreds of entrepreneurs and they're like, oh, and they recognize that, okay? And I know you recognize it because I've gone through it too. That self-loathing and humiliation were very near and dear to me for a very, very long time until I recognized it and I chose differently. And I recognized by observing how I think, uh, like the cycles that made me hate myself, 
but also got some pretty good results, right? As I'm fond of saying, they call me doctor in real life, right? And that cycle that I learned to observe, I call the high achiever goal cycle. And this is the cycle that has allowed you, has allowed me to achieve all the ungodly things that we have figured out how to achieve, um, to show the world that we can do it, whatever it might actually be. We have learned to produce stuff um, and we've, we've learned to produce stuff for other people way more than we've learned to produce it for our own selves. Uh, and then we get affirmation. Like we get people saying, oh yeah, really good job by virtue of doing all of that stuff. And so to get more of that, we go produce more stuff. Um, we learn that following the rules that other people set out for us or even breaking certain ones um, gets us to feel good from other people. And we think that those affirmations like are the right thing and things are going right when other people are telling us good job and our brain releases this hit of dopamine and that feels super good. And then we reinforce that cycle by setting more goals and doing more things. But I promise you that somewhere along the way, the dopamine runs out and you find yourself with a of things that you've got to do because of commitments that you've made and like zero emotional energy and a metric ton of confusion because you don't even know where to start. But then this is what's really tricky is that in that state of depletion, like that habitual part of your brain that, that says, I know how to feel better it goes and sets more goals for you. It says, go do this thing, start this not-for-profit, you know, hire for this person, create this new product. Um, because you're, that's like what has always worked for you. Uh, that's what always works for you, is that going and getting something else and doing something else and getting external affirmation. Because if you can't achieve something and you're not in, and you're not feeling good, you think something's going wrong here. And usually we say something's going wrong with me. Uh, okay, sometimes we say something's going wrong with somebody else and like somebody else has to change. But most of the time, that's a reflection of an internal conversation where something is going wrong with like me. And then, then there's all of this judgment of ourselves, the world around us. Uh, and then we start figuring out that other people or situations, houses, jobs, cars, uh, they all have to change so that we can be happy. If you're an employer, then you also try and change other people by setting goals for them as well as setting goals for yourself. I find myself doing this with my kids, with my employees, with Andrew, <laughs> right? Going in, you, you feel terrible, and so you try and order the world around you so that you feel better. Then nobody meets the goals, everybody's exhausted, and then everybody's proving like you're not good enough. Um, and then in order to feel better, you go and set another goal. And, and that's the cycle, is that you beat yourself up, you get really depleted, you start judging yourself and everybody else, you find evidence that nothing is working, everything is broken, something's really, really going wrong here. 
And then to make something go right, we set another goal and we try and meet it, okay? When you really sit down and think about it and think about all those goals, they can feel really, really, really terrible. And so what we do is, is we set more goals in an effort to run away from shame and humiliation. And we go searching for another hit of dopamine. We make a new list, we make a new, we just go into the cycle again. We produce more stuff and we're still not sleeping at night, okay? Now the good news is, is I have constraint. I, I, I have the answer for this and the answer is in constraint. Through constraint comes freedom, okay? And we call this living in protocol. But before you can even address that, you have to address where you are trying to do all of the things, okay? So for many of us who are parents right now, we are trying to work, keep everybody housed, keep everybody fed, um, school our own children. If we're teachers, we're trying to teach other people's children, put together pods, um, try and manage all of our children's emotions around homeschool or school at home or whatever it is that you want to call it, right? In addition to having to go out into the world and having to go grocery shopping for heaven's sakes um, and afford to be paying for all of these things. And all of that stuff is crucial to be able to do, but absolutely exhausting, okay? And we don't give ourselves any quarter for it but we also don't set ourselves up in a way that we can achieve the things that we want to achieve because we're too busy trying to do all the things all at once. And that never works. So over the course of the next 100 day, or 100 podcast episodes, which is two years, my friends, um, I want you to like, I want you to mark this podcast episode and I want you to think about where you were two years ago and how much progress you have made. And I want you to think about where you're going to be two years from now, because we're going to have changed everything two years, two years from now, solely by food safety planning, being a whole entrepreneur and running your business. So just think about it. I love thinking about that sort of stuff. Like how, where was I two years ago and how far have I come? Cause that's very, very exciting. So what is that? What does that look like? All right. Your homework for this week. I'm also going to start assigning homework to people. And I want you to join the proofing box. If you're not already in the proofing box, because we are going to be talking about this in the proofing box. So I'm going to record the podcast over on Deergo Food Safety, the, the like broad Deergo Food Safety Facebook page. I'm going to ask everybody to come into the proofing box. Okay. And we're going to discuss this in the proofing box. And I don't care if I'm the only person discussing this because these are important things to be thinking about. All right. Constraint in business is ridiculously important. It is as like, like your food safety plan is constraint. It is a protocol for how you make it here. Okay. And so all the constraint that you apply to your food safety plan, you can apply to the rest of your life. Right. I promise you all the weight that I've lost all 85 pounds is because I put a protocol into place and I made sure I was following it. Okay. And I dealt with all of my own emotions. And that's the exact same skill set that you have to do to follow a HACCP plan, I promise. Right. And so 
what we're going to do is, is we're going to look at really very, very specific things in food safety planning. I have a whole curriculum that I've written out that we're going to do. All right. And we're going to follow protocols. And we're going to discuss it on the proofing box. So come join the proofing box. Okay. And the homework this week is I want you to write out all of the goals that you have for yourself. Okay. That's all you have to do. And I want you to acknowledge how many things that you are doing, okay? And that for me, like for me, it looks like not only like my overarching 10-year goals, but it looks like goals like uh, pay the mortgage, pay my employees, make sure everybody has life insurance, or not life insurance, but like regular health insurance, um, and make sure my kids like actually learn something at school. You know, like those pros, we have, we have big lofty, what do they call them? hags, big, hairy, audacious goals. But we've had far more uh, prosaic goals, which are the ones that we kind of tend to show up to every single day, <laughs> right? And maybe your goal is to get through all the, I don't know, all the episodes of Queer Eye. I mean, that is certainly a goal of mine because I love the Fab Five and they make me feel better and they like help me a whole lot. Um, whatever your goals are, come into the proving box and let's talk about what your goals are, the big ones and the little ones, right? And then as we look at food safety planning and business planning, I want you to look at how are those things helping you achieve your goals? Because that's what creates the constraint. When we think we're not meeting our goals, that's when we freak out. Um, Alrighty, and think something is going wrong here. But when we are meeting our goals and we can show ourselves progress on meeting our goals, that's where constraint is beautiful. And what comes um, from that is actually achieving the goals. And we're gonna watch this process and it will go as fast as you need it to go based on how willing you are to show up to do the work. Alrighty, so I look forward to seeing you on the inside of the proofing box. If you haven't joined, you should totally join. This is going to be super, super fun, right? And um, let's see where we are, like, next quarter, this time next year, this time in two years. Like, that process is super, super fun. So all you high achievers, all y'all who are out there, like, sometimes literally killing it, <laughs> join me in the proofing box, and let's get this party started. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. Be sure to join us in the Proofing Box, a private Facebook page for food producers filled with valuable information and technical tips. Grow your business by learning from people just like you, all under the guidance of a food safety expert. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. Be sure to join us in the Proofing Box, a private Facebook page for food producers filled with valuable information and technical tips. Grow your business by learning from people just like you, all under the guidance of a food safety expert.